Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Guys, we're going to wrap up our series today. We've been in it for the last uh, several months now, looking at the letter to the Philippians, and we've entitled the series, The Struggle for Joy, because we've recognized that the Christian life isn't easy. Living the Christian life in this world where stuff happens isn't easy. And so when people tell you that if you come to Jesus, everything's going to be wonderful and everything's okay, I think if you've been around a long time, you realize that that's not true. Because when you become a Christian, you are not exempt from what? Problems. You are not exempt from enduring hardships. You are not exempt from suffering. We live in a fallen world where wrong stuff happens all the time. And so therefore, our life and our journey with Jesus can be a struggle, can it not? There are times when you really struggle wondering, am I going to be able to get through the next day? And then you read a letter like Philippians where he tells us to rejoice in Christ, to find our joy in Christ. Because again, remember I've told you before, God's not interested in your happiness. Happiness is a fleeting thing. But he is interested in your joy, that you have joy in Christ. So what I want you to see today, we're going to look and wrap it up here. Paul's going to talk about these Philippians for a moment. He's going to give it from his perspective. He's going to talk about the issue of Being willing to help. Now, why does he got to wrap that up with that, George? Well, I think it's very significant. He wants to commend them. But for you and I, I think it's something that we really need to ponder and think about. Because the fact of the matter is, is when you're going through it, when you are enduring, wondering how you're going to make ends meet, when you're struggling and you're facing the things that you're facing, the last thing you're thinking about is helping somebody else out, right? You're wondering who's going to help you. And so there's a couple things I want you to think about this morning, and and that is, before we look at the passage here, is I want you to look at that our tendency is to get self-absorbed. Do you know what I mean by that? You can go throughout your life with all the things that are going on and become totally self-absorbed in your little world. Do you understand what I'm saying? And what's happening with you. And that's all you talk about. Two things I want you to see there. Number one, in the midst of our struggles, we tend to focus on ourselves. That's only natural. That's natural. Every one of us does that. I do that. When we're going through it, immediately our focus begins to shift to only on our what? Ourselves. And and that's just natural, folks. That's that's not there's nothing wrong with that, but we have a tendency just to immediately forget about everybody else. I'm only thinking about who? Ourselves. Ourselves. And that brings up the second point. We do not want to be bothered with someone else's problems. Have you said something like this? God, I don't need this right now. I've got my own stuff going on. Lord, I don't have time for that. Why is he calling me? Why is she calling me? Don't she know what I'm going through? In fact, I'll be honest with you, it's exhibited in the thought process, when you get so self-absorbed, you're focused on yourself, you think you're the only one going through stuff. And nobody else has gone through it like you've gone through it. 
That's self-absorption. But can I, can I correctly tell you this? We may not be going through the exact same thing that you're going through, but the reality is is that people go through the same kind of stuff every day, every week, every year. Do you know what I'm saying? As far as problems are concerned, there's nothing new under the sun. Do you know what I'm saying? They're all the same. People get laid off. People get fired. People get cancer. People get told by the doctor, you've got this health problem and you've got that health problem. Your furnace blows up the night you need it the most. Your engine goes out. Bill shows up that you weren't expecting. Somebody messed with your credit card and you got to try to clean that mess up. You're fighting with your neighbor. Nothing's new, is it, folks? Stories may be different about the situations, but the situations are what? Similar. But the problem is, is we get so self-absorbed, we get so focused on ourselves, the last thing we want to be bothered with is with your stuff. I don't want to deal with your stuff. I don't want to go through the stuff that you're going through. That's our tendency. Am I right? That's our tendency, isn't it? Don't bother me with that. In fact, we do say that to God. God, why are you bringing that up right now? Don't you know what I'm going through? i got to get through my own stuff, and why are you bringing this to me? But what I want you to see is, is that we're going to see a testimony here from the Apostle Paul. He's going to talk about these Philippians. They're going through their stuff. They're a young church in a town. They're being persecuted. They're suffering for their faith in Jesus. And he's going to commend them because even in spite of their hardship, they help him. Look at what it says. Look with me. Verse 14. Nevertheless, you have done well that you have shared in my distress. Now, you Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gifts, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Folks, we're going to look at these two verses here and see Paul's description here and the principles that he's bringing out as he's commending these Philippians. And we can basically break it down into two sections. We're going to see in verses 14 through 16 that he's going to talk about looking beyond ourselves And then he's going to give us a biblical perspective in verses 17 through 20. Looking beyond ourselves, because again, we'll notice now, when we go through stuff, what's our tendency to look where? Right at ourselves. He's going to tell us to look beyond ourselves. Look with me. Look at what he says, first of all, in verse 14. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. The first thing that you need to understand, if we're going to be able to look beyond ourselves if we're going to be willing to help others, even in spite of the fact that we go through it ourselves, look at what it says. Sharing in the distress of others is good. Sharing in the distress of others is good. You know, some of the greatest testimonies I ever heard were sometimes shared at funerals where 
someone will share the testimony of the beloved one who passed away, and they'll say, you know, even in spite of what they were going through, even in spite of the difficult things that they were struggling with health-wise, they were there for me. They helped me. And you hear others giving those kind of testimonies. Those are awesome testimonies of people who realize that it is good, even in spite of the fact that you're going through something, that you need to share in the distress of others. You need to share in the distress of others. This is what Paul's saying here. Paul says, you were there for me. I know that you're going through it yourself, but you were there for me time after time. And what you did by being there for me, it was good. Sometimes we need to know that, don't we? Sometimes we need to know that even in spite of the fact that we're going through it, we still need to keep being there for others because it is good. It's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Look at what else he says here. Look at verse 15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Here's what he's telling us here. He's talking about that they were aware of what his needs were. So here's what I want you to see. It requires more than a superficial knowledge of each other. If we're going to share in the distress of others, if we're going to be there for each other, it's going to require more than just a superficial knowledge of each other that we have in church. What do you mean, George? Well, we see each other one hour a week. We come together. Hey, how's it going? How did the Steelers do? Hey, did you get your buck? How was your first day? Were you at the picnic last night? Boy, it was cold, but man, the fire was big. And then we're like, See you later. See you next week. Have a great week. I'll pray for you. Pray for you. But then if you were to say to them, so what's going on in their life? I don't know. They were at the picnic. They didn't do good in the first day with archery. We don't really know what's going on beneath the surface in their life because, can I tell you why? Let's go back to that second point I gave you earlier. We don't want to be bothered with someone else's problems. You know what I mean? Think about how we greet each other. I mean, it's, it's funny because it's just a greeting. It's like saying, hi, how are you doing? You ever said that to somebody? How are you doing? Now, the response we expect back because it's culturally acceptable is, fine, I'm doing great. Super. You don't know what to do if somebody said to you, terrible, rotten, you won't believe what's going on in my life. You get like, <gasps> Didn't expect that. And you're like trying to figure a way out of the conversation. Because we really don't want to know other people's what? Stuff, their problems. Did you understand what I'm saying? But if we're going to be, listen to me, if we're going to be progressing in our struggle for joy, we've got to be willing to help. We've got to recognize that it's good to share in the distresses of others. So it's going to require from us what? More than just a superficial knowledge of each other. More than just a superficial knowledge. Here's what else he says. Look with me. Verse 16. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Obviously, when they sent aid, they just didn't do it one time. They sent it once and again. The language, their structures that they were continually sending him help. Here's what I want you to see. It's more than a token gift of help. See, we like to do that, don't we? 
in order to get people off of our back, in order to, to ease our conscience because we're being made aware of their need, we want to help them with a token gift. Like, okay, I helped them, I gave. But it's more than that. See, when you're sharing in the distress of others, you say, I'm going to be there for them as they work their way through what? This. And folks, let me tell you something. That's not a week's time. Sometimes it's not a month's time. Sometimes it's, folks, it's being there for them through years of it. Did you understand what I'm saying? Is it possible to go through years of stuff? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. This is what it means to look beyond ourselves. It's to recognize that sharing in the distress of others is a good thing. It, it's to recognize that I've got to have more than just a superficial knowledge of each other here. I've got to know what's going on. How are you doing? And that's just not a greeting. I really want to know, how are you doing? It's got to be that kind of question. And it's got to realize that maybe it's going to take a little bit more of a commitment to be there with them till they get through this. That's what he's talking about here. Now, as I say that, I know immediately some of you are like, well, that's good, George, but that makes sense. But I'll just be flat out honest with you. You really don't know my situation. You really don't know what's going on in my life, George. You don't know what I'm facing. You don't know who's screaming for my money. You don't know how little I'm making. You don't know how much time I have and what really, how much time I don't have. And that all sounds great, George. But let's get realistic here. Let's wake up to the real world because I'm going through it and you want me to be concerned about others. Who's concerned about me? Isn't that where we're at? Because you can hear these things. You can hear about it's a good thing to be there and share with others' distresses. It's a good thing to say about getting deeper with people and look beyond a superficial level. It's it's really good to say about giving beyond just a token gift. But when rubber meets the road, reality hits. It's like, wow. Can I really do that? Who really cares about me? Well, Paul's going to give us a biblical perspective in the rest of his account here. And hopefully, hopefully we'll, we'll break through the reality of our situation and see what God wants us to see. Because he's not just calling us to be there for each other and having a willingness to help just for the sake of it. He, there's a reason why he wants us to do it. So let's look. Look with me. Look at verse... 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Here's what Paul's saying. He says, no, I'm not mentioning this so that you keep sending me gifts. That's what he's saying here. It's not that I'm seeking the gift. He says, I want you to abound in fruit to your account. Now, what does that mean, George? Well, here's what it is. You will be rewarded for your grace. The first thing he wants to remind us of is that the reason why we're there for each other is not just because we're going to be loved, we're lo- be, that it's a reflection of love in our life and that we're there sharing in their distress. It's the reality that by my helping them, I'm laying up for myself treasures in heaven. I'm laying up for myself a reward to my account where God's going to honor me. Because even in spite of what I was going through, I was there for other people. Did you understand what I'm saying? That's what it means here, that you will bear fruit to your account. 
is that you'll be rewarded later. It's about later. We're living for now, and when you're focused on what's going on in your life now, you've got to break out of it and realize that this life is nothing compared to what? What is to come. And are you preparing for what's to come later on? That's the reality here. The biblical perspective, verse 17, is, is that you'll be rewarded. And then look at what verse 18 says. It's interesting. He uses the word here that I think we can all equate with. Look at what he says in verse 18. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. So he's talking about the gift that they sent. Now, here's what he says about the gift. A sweet-smelling aroma and acceptable sacrifice. That's the word that we can equate here. Because when you talk about helping people, especially if you're going through it, it's a what? It's a sacrifice. But notice what he says there. An acceptable sacrifice. Notice the next words. Well-pleasing to God. Here's what I want you to see. Your gift of grace is an acceptable sacrifice to God. He's pleased with it. He's not sitting up there saying, what's the matter with them? Don't they know they don't have nothing to give? And here they are, they're helping somebody else out. Why don't they help themselves out? By the way, have you heard that God helps those who help themselves? It's not in the Bible. In fact, that's the exact opposite of what Paul's saying here, isn't it? That when you and I make the sacrifice to help others, that's acceptable to him. In fact, I like what the little word, it's well-pleasing to him. But doesn't that make you feel good when you do that? You know, I, you know I'm, I'm 48, but I can still remember times when I did something right and my dad said, good job. Boy, I felt big. Didn't you? When your dad said, good job, when you were there for others, when you share in their distresses, and you help them. And let me just stop for a moment. When I talk about helping, immediately our mind gets turned to, you're talking about money, George. You're talking about money. You're talking about money. No, 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 no. If you think that's all you're thinking about, you've got a wrong perspective. Because sometimes it's more than just money, folks. Sometimes it's being there for them. Sometimes it's an arm around them. Sometimes it's just showing up and doing stuff for them. Maybe bringing them a meal. Maybe it's it's just giving them time and a listening ear. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? There's a whole lot more to this than just the issue of money. We want to reduce everything down to money. Because that's what our society says. You got a problem, you got money to take care of it. No, no, no. It's, got, it's more than just dealing with money. It's being there for them in the midst of their problem. And your act of sacrifice, whatever it may be, time, your talent, your treasure, that's an acceptable sacrifice to God. It's well-pleasing to Him. He says, good job. That's a biblical perspective, isn't it? He goes on one step further, and He's going to give us a biblical perspective here. Look with me, verse... 19. We, we know this verse, we quote this verse all the time, but we own it to ourselves. But I'm going to give you a different perspective of here, the perspective of what Paul is saying here. He wants them to understand something. Look at verse 19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now we claim that verse all the time, don't we? We'll quote it when we go through it. My God will supply my needs. Here's what it says. It is given with a complete trust in God's provision for you. That's the biblical perspective. My sacrifice that I give 
that's acceptable to him, that's well-pleasing to him, that I give as I help others, as I share in their distress, as the Philippians were doing here, Paul's saying, you're giving it because you realize that your God will supply all of your needs. That's why you're giving it. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is not a personal verse for you just to hang on to. So oh, God's going to provide my needs. Yeah, he's going to provide your needs. But what I'm trying to help you to understand is, is that that should drive you that when he tells you to help someone, you don't need to wonder, am I going to be taken care of? God's going to take care of me. Did you understand what I'm saying? This is what he's saying here. Your gift that you gave me was a sweet-smelling aroma. It was acceptable to God. It was well-pleasing to him. And you understood that your God, my God, will provide all of my need in Christ Jesus. That's a biblical perspective. So you don't need to be hesitant about helping people. That's the first thing that happens. Remember that reality thing I did with you? That comes out of hesitancy. Who's going to take care of me? Who's going to take care of me? Isn't that what we normally say? Who's going to take care of me? Verse 19 is the answer to that. God will. You just do what he's telling you to do. You just do what he's telling you to do. Now let me just stop for a moment. I want you to think for me for a moment. And in this room right now, there are people here who have needs you have no clue about. But maybe you do know something. And God reveals that to you. And maybe he's here and he's been saying to you, you know what? You should help so-and-so. You should go and say, how are you doing? Some of you won't even do that. Maybe you can help them. Maybe you can give them wisdom. Some of your time. Maybe you can bless them in some way. But we're hesitant to do that because, well, you know, God, I really want to, that's really nice, Lord, I really want to do it. But don't you understand what's going on in my life right now? I don't need this stress. See, that's the, that's the self-absorbed perspective, isn't it? But the biblical perspective says, okay, Lord, I know I have my needs and that you're going to take care of me. So I'll be there for others. That's what he's saying here. That's what it is to be willing to help. Do you understand what I'm saying? This this passage is not talking about money necessarily. It's talking about a willingness to be there for who? For each other. For each other. So let me ask you a question. A couple questions here as we wrap this up. Because you're like, okay, where's your focus? Well, my focus, George, is on this struggle for joy. I want to be all that Jesus wants me to do, but it's hard. And it's, it's, I'm just focusing on trying to be all that he wants me to do, but I've got all these struggles. I've got bill collectors coming after me, and, and the boss is breathing down my neck, and, and i got this problem, and this isn't working in the house anymore, and, and I don't know how we're going to make How are we going to get through this winter? The winter, boy, it's going to, it's going to be a rough winter, and I don't know that i got enough to take care of heating this year. And, uh, la, 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 and it goes on and on and on, and the stairs aren't doing well. Where's your focus? I think we have to be honest with ourselves. It's on ourselves, isn't it? I know I'm there. I'm not talking to somebody who knows better. I'm talking to somebody who's right where with you, because I know, guess what I'm thinking about? My stuff, all the time. If we're honest with ourselves, we are self-absorbed. Really. So be honest about that. Ask yourself that question. Where's your focus? Don't give a spiritual, oh, I think about others. Really? That's expressed in actions. We can tell if you are. So here's the second question. Do you find it difficult to see the needs around you? They're around you. Whether you realize it or not, they're around you. Doesn't necessarily have to be in this room. Could be outside of this room. With the people that you interact with, your family, People that you work with, your neighbors, 
people that are involved in your kid's sports program or whatever, people that you interact with at Walmart. It's around you continually. Do you see the needs around you or do you find it difficult to see them? That says something, doesn't it? When all you see is what you're going through. And listen, when you say things like you're the only one going through it, that says something. When you say things like you're the only one going through it, that says something. That's why it's difficult to see it. Because you're totally focused on who? Me, myself, and I, the three of you. And I can already tell you right now, because I've been there. I was there just last week. It is a state of miserableness to be totally focused on yourself. Do you understand what I'm saying? You are a bear to live with, George, when you're focused on yourself. That's reality. Did you understand what I'm saying? That is complete reality. So what do I do about that? you got to ask the Spirit to help you to share in the distress of others. you got to ask the Spirit to help you to share in the distress of others. You know, it's, it's, it's a well-known fact in, in, in counseling circles that when you get people who are so self-absorbed and they're, and, and, they're, and, they're, and they're going through depression, especially for those who are going through depression, what they tell them to do is, is to get out of their cells and to what? Help others! Quit focusing on your stuff and help others. We all know that. We've even experienced it at times when we got out of ourselves and helped others. We quit being miserable. So there you are. And you're making that journey. You're, you're walking with Jesus. You're looking forward to that hope with Him. And He's called you to rejoice in Him and to find your joy in Christ in the midst of everything that's going on. And, and it's so easy as you're going through that struggle in your life to, when you go through one difficulty to another. And have you noticed that's the way it is? It's just like you bounce off of one, you maybe get a little bit of a breathing room, and it happens that just around the corner is another one. Or two or three at one time. Because that's life, isn't it? And so there you are. It's so easy to just turn inward, looking only at yourself. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing okay. Where are you at? Looking at myself. I'm going to tell you right now, you are not going to find joy in Christ if that's where you're at. Do you hear me? Because if that's where you're at, you're always going to be complaining that he's what? Not helping you. He finishes out this letter by commending a group of people who looked beyond themselves and the difficulties that they were going through to help him. And he said it's for their reward. It was acceptable to God. And they understood that he would take care of them. Ask God to help you. 
to look beyond yourself and to share in the distress of others. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.